This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Today we have a special, he's not a special guest, but a special speaker because he doesn't speak every week, but he's our very own Austin McElroy before you clap. Uh, he is, wait, 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 this is like graduation, you guys don't really listen. <laughs> Uh, I don't listen to graduation either. Hey, but Austin is the director of Teen Challenge, which is a men's program to help people who are addicted uh, to all sorts of things, and he does a fantastic job. He's wise beyond his years. You're just a young, young 30s, right? 39. Oh, are you? Okay, so he's not that wise for his age. Uh, <laughs> he's He's average. No, he's uh, doing a great job leading uh, in a very important ministry for a young man, and uh, I just love it when he comes to speak. And so if you don't know, at our church, we like to share the pulpit. It's not all about me. We have quality uh, elders that come and speak and people that come and speak, and uh, Austin is one of them. Let's give him a nice hand of applause there. You want me to lift that up for you? Not as wise as Mario, but I am taller. <laughs> uh, just real quick before I get going. Um, not everywhere is like Mosaic. You guys know that. Uh, I hope that's why you're here. A- as a 39-year-old, I'm either a very, very young Gen Xer or I'm a very, very old millennial. And those generations have a real conflict when it comes to uh, holding on to power, status, authority, um, and Mario uh, really exemplifies giving us the opportunity to come up here and share. And he's always, since the day I got here, been empowering to people in the church with gifts. And that just doesn't happen um, often. Most, most of the time, people just want to hold on to it. It is very rare that you find someone who champions letting go. Uh, so it is an honor to be here, an honor to be a member of Mosaic. Um, today, when we navigate through um, the topic that I was given, which is being still and knowing that I'm God, uh, I'm a very uh, com- compartmentalized thinker. I can only kind of handle one thing at a time. Cassidy knows that, drives her crazy. Um, and we just got back this week. We were at a Teen Challenge Leadership Summit um, like Mario said, for those of you, anyone who doesn't know, Teen Challenge is a year-long faith-based recovery program. Um, I went through in 2013, um, always very open about my history and my past dealing with drug addiction. Uh, my wife went through in 2016, and we met at the summit that I got a chance to keynote this week um, in 2017. Wow. So there are, there are very few kind of full-circle moments that you get to experience um, in Teen Challenge. I've experienced some. I remember being an admissions coordinator and doing an admission for someone, and it was that first time that I gave hope, same way that I was given hope. I remember teaching classes and the same classes that kind of built my foundation as a believer. I remember getting to teach those classes, but uh, being a part of the Teen Challenge Leadership Summit this week was incredible, and it, it was one of those full circle moments. It was at that summit in 2017 that God really spoke to me about staying with Teen Challenge. I went to that summit kind of 
on the fence. I'd been a part of Teen Challenge in the past and uh, didn't really want to go back through all the unpaid internships and the cycle that you have to go through to enter into the leadership in Teen Challenge. But I remember in 2017 really feeling that commitment from the Lord and the speakers there really pushed that uh, to the forefront of my mind. So to have the opportunity to do that was awesome. And so we got back from the trip and then I was like, okay, uh, time to focus in on Sunday at Mosaic. And God kept bringing something up to me, which is not something that I love to talk about. Very few people in this church know uh, the story that I'm going to tell as we go through um, the scriptures, as we start unpacking of what I feel like God's put on my heart about being still and knowing that he is God. So um, just know as we go through this, again, I'm not up here to be Pastor Mario's hype man, but the way that he is transparent and vulnerable from the pulpit just has a way of giving permission to someone like me or someone like you to reflect that transparency. Again, that's rare. That's not something that's here all the time, every day, in every church that you go into. So uh, I'm going to read starting in Psalm 46. Um, we're going to focus on verse 10, but I'm going to read the entire Psalm so that we get some context. So Psalm 46 says, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. God will help. God will help her when, when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jerusalem, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. I'm gonna pray. Lord Jesus, God, pray that I just get out of the way of what you're trying to do today. Lord, I'm thankful to be a vessel. I'm thankful to be used. Uh, but Lord, I don't want these to be my words. I want them to be yours. So I pray that your heart and your spirit just flows through me today, that our ears are open. God, that we will, have, that we will take away whatever it is that you have for us today. In your son's precious name, I pray. Amen. So, be still and know that I am God is one of the more popular uh, verses that you're going to read in the Bible. You walk into any Christian bookstore, you walk into Barnes & Noble, walk into just about anywhere, and you're going to see this plastered all over the place. And when the English definition of being still is, is not necessarily the Hebrew definition for when it was written, uh, the English definition of still means to be silent uttering no sound, quiet, and motionless. But the way we use still in English is different than the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it, to be still means to let go, to stop striving, to slacken, to let drop, and to submit. I was at this Teen Challenge Leadership Summit. I heard something that I had never heard before. Uh, it's something that is gonna stick with me the rest of my life in regards to submission. 
And one of the speakers got up and he said, if, if an action requires understanding, it's not submission. That's called obedience. Submission is what we do when we don't understand why we're being asked to do something. And the example that he used was great. He said that, we, again, in context of Teen Challenge leadership, he was using the director as the focus. And he said, if your director asks you to cut the grass on a Monday and then asks you to cut the grass a week later, that's called obedience. You're not submitting to your leader because it's been a week, the rain's come, the grass has grown, it's obvious why. But if your leader asks you to cut the grass on Monday and then asks you to cut the grass again on Tuesday, you may not necessarily understand that. But submission is following anyway. And so as we go through this context, the context of these, of, of these scriptures, it's something to keep in mind about what real submission is. We live in a world today that we are fixers. I am a fixer. When I read this scripture, be still and know that I am God, if you're anything like me, I probably haven't been still since the 90s. We have two toddlers. We work in addiction ministry. Being still doesn't necessarily fit the mold of what our lives uh, entail. The context when this was written isn't exactly known. I, in doing some research, there were two main theories that were subscribed to. One was under King Jehoshaphat. The other was under King Hezekiah when the psalm was written, and that both times Israel was being invaded by forces that were far greater than what they had the capacity to overcome. They were being uh, circled, they were being taken out, and they were outgunned, they were outmanned, they were outwitted, and they were outflanked. There was no path to victory for Israel until God intervened and made a way where there was no way. God came in through the stillness of Israel and was able to win victories that Israel would not be able to win. And in the scripture, when it talks about her, it's talking about the city of Jerusalem. So where this is a national psalm, it still has some very personal meaning to us and to our lives. Again, in a microwave society, that we want what we want and we want it now. You see a problem, our job is to fix it. As a church, we see a hurting world and, and our desire is to jump right in and fix the hurt. Being still is not a call to not act when we see injustice. Being still is not a call to laziness. Being still is a call to preparation. It is a call to being at peace with God, doing the work on the front end so that when the back end comes, we have confidence in knowing. I went to Teen Challenge in 2013 and graduated, stayed on staff, um, in 2015, uh, I got married. And again, what I'm going to talk about is, is difficult, and it's not condoning any action, anything. I thought I knew at that point in my life how, that, how to be still in the presence of God. I thought I knew how to navigate tough situations. And I got married way too quickly to another Teen Challenge graduate, and our hearts were not to do anything horrible or wrong. Our hearts were to serve God, but we just weren't in a place where we were ready. I certainly wasn't in a place to be the leader of a family of home. I was still figuring out how to be a Christian in the world. So ultimately, not that long into our marriage, um, we both ended up relapsing. Both went back to the life that we had known 
for so long. It was what was comfortable. When I was at the leadership summit today, we, or this past week, we talked about the fundamentals of our Christian belief. We talked about drilling the fundamentals of knowing why we believe what we believe. Because when hard times come, I played sports all my life and played basketball in college. And ironically, the exact same drills that I was doing when I was seven or eight years old in peewee basketball were the same drills a lot of times that we were doing at a high level, but it was to burn these principles into your brain so that when the hard times come, when the pressure mounts, when you get tired, you will revert back to your fundamentals. At that time in my life, I had not had necessarily the fundamentals of Christianity down. I had a lot of sensationalism. I had a lot of experience with God in a very secluded environment, but as far as actually getting out and practicing what it meant to be a believer, it was an area that I really hadn't experienced yet. And so when the furnace turned up, when life got hard, we reverted back to the fundamentals that we had learned for 10 years. Through that, we both went back into Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge has what's called a restoration program that if you're a graduate, you had the opportunity to come back. You don't do the whole year. You, they just kind of meet you where you're at. They find out, okay, where did things go wrong? How long ago was it? How quickly can we get you back on your feet? So different teen challenges have different standards when it comes to restoration programs. I went to Fort Myers Teen Challenge. My wife, whose name was Holly at the time, um, went to Alabama Teen Challenge. And I had done four months of restoration, had completed Holly still had a couple of months to go. At that point, I was recommitted to serving the Lord. I was done with throwing away a very expensive gospel for something that was very cheap in the long run. And, but my wife at the time wasn't necessarily sold on that. And she, before she had completed, left Alabama Teen Challenge and ended up going down to Birmingham. And it was about 30 days before I'd heard from her um, again, it's very hard for me to be still and know that he was God in that setting. My, my goal and my purpose was to go fix my marriage. That was my plan. That's what I felt like God wanted from me, was to go act, go figure it out, go make something happen. We ended up talking after about 30 days. She called me to ask me for some money. Those of you who have dealt with addiction know what that means, um, and ultimately, disappeared again for several months. The next time I heard from her, she was in jail. Again, this is a time that it was very, very hard for me to grasp what being still in God meant. I felt a lot like the Israelites. I felt surrounded, I felt outgunned, I felt outmanned. I didn't see an end to this struggle. And ultimately, months down the line, um, she'd gotten arrested three or four times throughout the course of this process. I made my way to Dixon, Kentucky to another teen challenge to just kinda settle and, and heal. And I remember getting there and feeling God release this burden to me, allowing me to kinda step back and, and, and truly re-engage my relationship with him because at, at that point, my relationship with God was so tied to fixing this marriage. God, if you're real, fix this. God, you didn't call us together to get divorced. That's, that's not your heart. That's not your heart for me. That's not your heart for our marriage. Man, there was this inner turmoil in me that though my body was stationary, stillness was nowhere to be found. I felt like 
my job as a man, again, was to go fix everything else that had happened. It took God putting me in a place of forced stillness. It put my ex-wife at a place of forced stillness because if there would have been a way for me to interject, for me to fix it, I would have. I would have done anything and everything that I could. But in a, in a moment of the English definition of quietness, I began to understand the Hebrew definition of stillness. I began to understand how to relinquish something to God. Again, I felt like I knew how to do that. I read it enough. I had been in enough bookstores to see it. I had enough biblical knowledge to trick myself into thinking that, man, I was probably, a str- I felt like I was stronger in this area than what I really was. Reminded of the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus when Lazarus was dead. And Mary and Martha you know, sought after Jesus for, their, for the healing of their brother. And they couldn't understand that Jesus, who was this incredible healer, who they knew, and they said, God, Jesus, if you would have just been here, he wouldn't have died. God, if you would have just been present, if you just would have come earlier, then our brother wouldn't be laying in a grave. In, that, in those moments of, of desperation, in those moments of no control over a situation whatsoever, my heart goes out to Mary and Martha. I remember being in this situation. As I read Mary and Martha's story, I identify with them so much because all I wanted to do was fix what I thought God had put together. And all they wanted to do was raise their brother from the dead. There was no malintention in that. But as we read through the story of Mary and Martha, and we know in the book of John, chapter 11, that God ends up raising Lazarus from the dead, God used, Jesus used that death. In John eleven forty two. it says, and many came to believe once they saw what Jesus had done in the life of Lazarus when he raised him back from the dead. That though we may not see it, our submission is not just submitting peace of mind. It's submitting our understanding of what the outcome is supposed to look like. Again, in 2016, 2017, there was no part of me that could have believed that through that process of brokenness, something good was going to come out of that situation. Fast forward to the summer of 2017. At this leadership summit that I felt like God had really brought me to to confirm my calling in Teen Challenge. We were part of all of our centers come up and, and we all meet 21 centers of future leaders are coming together. And I had not been a part of our region for very long where I graduated and, and most of the people that I knew in Teen Challenge were up north. So I had not been in the southeast region for very long and we, we would play these icebreaker games where we're just kind of getting to know everybody. And out of nowhere, somebody came up to me during one of these icebreaker games and said, hey, hey, I think I know you. And I looked down at this person and I couldn't think of where I would have known her from or you know, couldn't place a, a face. And she said, yeah, I, uh, I was Holly's roommate while she was at Alabama Teen Challenge. And I just kind of walked away from that situation. I was rude, I didn't care. That was a very open wound. I'd filed for a divorce a few months earlier, um, and, and that was still very salty in, in my life. So I went back to my room that night, spoke to a friend of mine who was in Teen Challenge with me, and I said, hey, um, the Teen Challenge has the rule of three. 
at, at these functions. You can talk to the opposite sex, but you got to have a third party there. And I, so my friend's name was Brian Armstrong, and I told Brian, I said, hey, man, um, I was rude to somebody today, and, and I, it's really weighing on my heart. You know, they brought up my ex-wife. It was a very difficult situation, and, you know, I don't, uh, I don't want to let that linger. So if I see this person tomorrow, you know, will you come with me and so I can apologize? I said, yeah. So saw the person the next day at lunch, went, apologized, said, hey, this is an open wound. I'm sorry. You know, I just, I didn't handle that properly. I kind of buried it. Later on, ended up seeing this person at the volleyball court, ended up on the same volleyball team, connected, talked, had fun. Later on, after the ELP summit, we connected on Facebook, uh, began, you know, just spending a lot of time getting to know each other, ultimately met each other in person, ultimately got married, ultimately that's Cassidy sitting, you know, today. In that moment of hurt, in that moment of brokenness, I couldn't imagine that God was going to use that for something great. But he couldn't use it for something great as long as I was trying to fix it. As long as Austin's fingerprints were on the situation, there was no way I was stuck. I was stuck with my own power. I was stuck in my own strength. The result of that situation would only be as good as I was able to make it. And I wasn't doing anything with it. I'd proven to myself in the, in the years past and, and kind of since then that when Austin goes with Austin's purity of heart, with the best intentions that I could possibly conjure up, it does not compare to when I yield control and allow God to fix and step in and dictate the course of a situation. If you would have told me at that icebreaker game in 2017, I was still a wreck. My heart was still hurt. I was still broken. I still hadn't fully recovered from that. If you would have told me that my life would look today like it does back then, I would have told you you were crazy. That's not humanly possible. And I believe Mary and Martha would have said the same thing. It's not humanly possible for our brother who's been dead for four days to raise again. And I believe the Israelites would have said the same thing when they're surrounded and they're outflanked and there's no path to victory. For them to still, we look through the history books now and it's easy for us to praise. In the moment, I remember how difficult stillness really was. I remember how foreign of a concept that stillness really was. But when we learn to relinquish control, and again, that doesn't mean do nothing. In that time between you know, what I was going through in 2015 and 16, and that time in 2017 when Cassidy and I met, I allowed God to essentially put his fingerprints on the situation, but that didn't absolve me from my responsibility to go deeper. It didn't absolve me from times of digging in to the Lord. So I'm just gonna touch real quick on um, four things that we can do as Christians during our times of stillness, during our times of relenting. The first is pray. I, I remember going through this situation and crying out to God and, and asking God to fix it, asking God to fix me, asking God to fix her. But as long as Austin's will, as long as Austin's desire 
for a specific outcome was in the way, it clouded that prayer so much. I wasn't praying necessarily for God's will. I was praying for Austin's will to be done God's way. God, however you're gonna do it, as long as it ends up the way that I want it, everything will be okay. We're, we're, we're on the same team. In Teen Challenge, we talk about the God in the box. We talk about the God in the box that we put on the shelf that anytime we're in trouble, we go and grab it. And God, I need you. I need you to fix this situation. I need you to take care of this problem. I need you to put this back together until I can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and then I'll take it from here. Then I'll guide us the rest of the way in. Thank you for navigating the deep waters, but now that we're in the shallow times, I got it. Understand that when we pray, it has to be a prayer of sincerity. It has to be a prayer of submission. Submission of the timing that we think is right. Submission of the outcome that we think is right. Submission of the way we think it should be done. Submission of our own understanding. Again, submission does not require understanding. That's obedience. For us to submit, we don't have to have, and we can't seek the understanding. Again, in this world that we live in today, as a human being, anywhere in this world will tell me I am entitled to understanding for any question that I ask. That doesn't mean we don't seek understanding, but it does mean that when it doesn't come as easily as what it should, we do it anyway. We go anyway. Second, worship. Adam talked about worship a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not talking about simply the worship that we engage in on Sundays. I'm talking about the true Thessalonians version of worship. I'm talking about the worship that doesn't stop. The worship that we continue in day in and day out is very difficult for us to be in a spirit of worship and a spirit of stress at the same time. One of the things that was talked about the same week was, again, in, in the space that we're in, we talk a lot about relapse uh, from drugs and alcohol, but as Christians, we know, and I hope you know, relapse goes far beyond drugs and alcohol. It's falling back into a former pattern, a former way of thinking or acting, right? And they said the greatest antidote for relapse is gratefulness. You're not gonna find yourself in a spirit of relapse if you're in a spirit of gratefulness at the same time. If you find yourself, start slipping mentally or emotionally or spiritually, rewind the tape. Find where I stopped being grateful. If you find yourself in a po at a point where you just can't get your spirit still, rewind the tape. Where did I stop worshiping? Where did I stop worshiping God with all my heart, with all my soul, my mind, and my strength? Third is to remember in verse eight, Psalm 46, it says, come behold the works of the Lord. It's, it's very easy for me to sit here today and recant the stories of what my life was like 10 years ago or five years ago or, or last year for that matter. As a church, we don't have to go very far to go back through traumatic experiences. We go back to COVID, 2020, everything that that entailed, the battles that each and every one of us as believers have fought. And if we never take the time to go back and see the faithfulness of God, if we never go back in time and recant the faithfulness and the battles that he has won for us, then how can we be confident about what he's gonna do in the future? We get lost today with everything that's going on. 
whether it's inflation or gas prices or whatever political party that you're supporting, whatever movement it is, whatever the, new, whatever the newest news cycle is, whatever it is that we're being pushed to believe on, on either side of the aisle, whatever it is, you get lost if you can't recant the faithfulness of God, if you can't look back in your life and remember the battles that he has won on your behalf. Israelites didn't have to look too far in history during these times to see what God had done for them to see that God had delivered them from slavery, to see that God had parted the Red Sea, to see that God had brought them through the wilderness, to see the works of God. We we preach to our students to journal. I've never been a a director that required journaling from our students. I don't wanna make you do something, but man, do we encourage it. One, because it it helps me to process to write things down. I can read something and I have a pretty good memory, but man, if I write it down, I'll never forget it. We need to keep a log as Christians for the faithfulness of God. We need to keep a log of the victories that he has won in our life. We need to be able to behold the works of the Lord. Because when we do, man, we can be confident and know. There's a confidence in the stillness of God when we remember the battles that he has won for us in the past. And lastly, we give thanks. We thank God for the opportunity to grow. We thank God for the opportunity to move. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God who is present, that we don't have to go back and just read the Bible and learn the character of God. Man, we get to actively see the character of God in our life. I've learned to give thanks in the good times. I've learned to give thanks in the bad times. I've learned to give thanks in the times that I don't understand. Thankfulness and gratefulness go hand in hand. Remember to be grateful. Remind yourself to be grateful when times get tough. Remind yourself to promote and keep at the forefront of your mind the things that God has done, the things that God, that we can be confident because of what he's done and the things that he is going to do. Again, we we live in in this climate, we live in this day and age, Man, if you can't ground yourself in something, you will be pulled in a million different places. And this isn't our call to perfection when it comes to stillness, because we all fail. I fail. I don't know that any of us will be able to ever be fully still. But man, man it's, a, it's a call to effort. It's, it's, it's a call to get back to the fundamentals of our foundational beliefs as Christians. To know that when the answer isn't there, that it's coming. To know that when the way doesn't feel present, we serve a way maker. To know that when there is no victory in sight, we serve a God who has already won the victory on our behalf. Being still is obviously very close to my heart. God taught me more lessons in stillness than he would have ever taught me in any other season of my life. In the beginning, it talks about God is our refuge very present help in the time of trouble, though we will not fear, though the earth gives way. This has not changed in over 2,000 years. It feels like the earth is about to give way. Feels like that, that the stresses and problems that we are facing, not just in Tallahassee, not just in this city, in this world, 
You just don't have to look very far to see how bad things are. And we have a 24-hour news cycle. We get to see it all the time. Back when this Psalm 46 was written, they didn't necessarily have that, but it still tells us that there are still troubles going on all over the world back then today. And the answer that they give us is to be still. And what a, what a charge for us as believers. What a call to action for us as believers and the church. So that's what God put on my heart for this, Pastor Mario. Leave. There you go. Thank you. Hey, I just want to just again uh, reiterate uh, part of the steps that we can take in being still, which means to submit, which is hard. It's not just any people have hard time. Not yeah. You know, me too. I'm like, I got to do something. All right. Uh, pray, worship, remember, and to give thanks. And I pray that all of us would just adhere to the Lord's work. I just got to ask him a quick question. Uh, so I had the privilege of having Austin and Cassie over my house. And uh, they shared their story to me. And my jaw was dropped uh, of the story and how... Uh, sadly, on your first marriage, the, the, the whole spirit of abandonment, she, she just left. And, and like you said, you, know, you would hear every so often. And, and I know I appreciate your effort to, to make, the, you know, make the right choices and submit and all that. But there was a, she was gone. She was gone. And, uh, and we still pray for her because she chose a previous lifestyle. And, and the stories are just your heart breaks. And so I, I appreciate uh, Austin's vulnerability his openness and his, his candor and his encouragement. I think all of us can learn to be still. Uh, I think I knew this, but I forgot, so I appreciate you reminding me, you know, because I do, I can't help but think uh, American, like it just means to be quiet and be still, but really is to be trusting in the Lord and to submit to his will. So thank you so much. Let's give him a nice hand. Austin... Uh, He's going on a missions trip, and he's going to take a team to Panama. Now, when he said Panama to me, I, I, I went right into the David Lee Roth's version of Panama. So uh, if you could, uh, if you could find in your heart, maybe the Lord will speak to you if you'd like to give towards his missions trip. Uh, he's going uh, soon, and then he'll be going again in November. And we'd like to just really get behind him in his trip, uh, reaching people. Uh, overseas for Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again. Thank you for the life uh, that you have given all of us, that new life. Lord, help us to submit uh, and be still to your perfect ways. Lord, help us to trust your word. Help us to trust you. And Lord, help us to just uh, let go and trust you, Father. We say thank you. Lord, thank you for Austin and Cassidy and their beautiful kids. Lord, I pray a blessing upon them. Keep them safe. And, Lord, keep them, um, Lord, in the place that you can continue to move in their hearts and they can walk in obedience. We say thank you, Lord. Help us as a church to continue to lift them up, encourage them, strengthen them, challenge them in their faith. And, Lord, uh, all those things that a good, healthy body 
a family would do. And Lord, help us today to follow you in all that we do. And we say thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, 